0: Once you find your voice, your tribe will follow. When you find your voice, will you have the courage to speak? That is a quote by this week's guest, Heather Havenwood.
1: Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from Trinamartin.com, is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin.
0: Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 27. The topic of this week's episode is double down on who you are. My guest this week is Heather Ann Havenwood. Heather is the CEO of Havenwood Worldwide LLC and chief sexy boss. She is a serial entrepreneur and is regarded as a top authority on internet marketing, business strategies, and marketing. Since marketing her first online business in 1999, bringing together clients and personal coaches, she has played an active role in the online marketing world since before most even had a home computer. In 2006, she started, developed, and grew an online information marketing publishing company from ground zero to over $1 million in sales in less than 12 months. Heather Ann currently is the author of Sexy Boss, How the Empowerment of Women is Changing the Rulebook for Sex, Money, and Success, and the Game of Dating and How to Play It, a rule book for divorced men stepping back into the game. Heather Ann Havenwood is smart, sexy, savvy, and now stepping out from behind the curtain to educate, enlighten empower women entrepreneurs to grow or start an online business and live a fearless and fulfilled life. Hello, Heather. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So I have been reading your bio and I like your name, Chief Sexy Boss.
2: (laughs) I'll give it to you. You can have it too. I think there's more than just one, right? <laughs> oh, that, I saw
0: that and I was like, that is great.
2: That's my girl, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. And you have authored several books. Yes. And you have started several different companies. So let just start out. Tell us a little bit about how you became the sexy boss.
2: <laughs> um, thank you for that. And I do really feel that it's it's a, it's a term that all women have inside of them, you know? So I'll explain to you what that is in just a second. But uh, how I became it um, wasn't something I, I wanted to be necessarily. I became an entrepreneur when I was, um, let's see how it was, I, I don't even know, 25, 26 on accident. Um, I started my first business in 2005, but I, um, started traveling the country in 2001, and I was doing like real estate seminars. So I produced over 450 events in seven years. I traveled the country doing buy and selling real estate, you know, seminars, things like that. Working for a large seminar company, and then I started working and um, consulting with speakers, and then grew a consulting business. Um, and then 2005 or an information marketing company from zero to a million dollars. So I've been working with speakers and and influencers and entrepreneurs for a long time myself, building businesses as well as um, personal branding for a long, long time. And so Sexy Boss came to be after I built a company from zero to a million dollars. Then I I completely lost everything. I had a bit bad business partner and he stole everything. And so my house went into foreclosure. I went through bankruptcy and just completely bottomed out. Um, It was right 2008, so it was a really challenging time to bottom out at the time. So when I was kind of crawling my way back and finding my way, I had a dear friend of mine, Joe Sugarman, who said to me one day, you're like a sexy boss over like salad. (laughs) It wasn't very sexy. He was like talking to me over salad in Vegas. He's like, you're like a sexy boss. I think I'm going to get some ice cream now or something like that. It was kind of funny. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're like a boss because you own you own your life. You're not being a victim to so what's happening. You're really stepping into your power, but the sexy part is your woman and you're feminine. you know. And I think there's a combination there. You're like a sexy boss. I was like, wow, well, okay. So um, I wrote the book and he was a forward to my book by Joe Sherman, one of the top copywriters in the world today. He's in his seventies, but he's amazing.
0: I like that story. Now yeah. you said that he said, the name uh, sexy boss, because, you know, you're a woman, but you're not letting things get you down. Yeah. Just how did you do that? How, I mean, with what happened, um, your partner, your bad business partner, and then recovering to come back the way you have, how did you do that?
2: Well, I wish I could say like, do this, you know, <laughs> like a fairy dust, but there's just a lot there, right? It was definitely a very deep, emotional, personal journey. There was a lot of me looking at myself like I was a loser and a failure, but there's a lot of things that I learned from it. So there's a couple of things I'm just going to, there's a lot there, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick on a few. So I think, cause I think it would help the most. Okay. So one of the things that, um, so what happened is I ended up, um, I was in my home, I had a home and I was a, had a business partner. We were going very well. And then one day, one day I came home and everything was gone. So big accounts were cleared out. Merchant accounts were changed. I was completely shut from the business. And then my house got triggered into foreclosure within about 30 days. And then I had to file personal business bankruptcy within a year. So I ended up living in my car and people's couches and dear friends' guest rooms and things like that for a while, trying to figure it all out. And of course, it was a bad time for everybody it was 2008. Um, the, first, the first phase of anything like that, it's like a death, right? So there's a lot of self-doubt and uh, blaming myself and victimization. I went through that. Uh, I think the next phase, a lot of men don't go through. There was a lot of people saying things like, well, women aren't supposed to be entrepreneurs anyways. You should have never tried that. You know, um, you need to go get a job, just go get married. That was a good one. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, oh, that, that's a choice. I can just go get married. <laughs> <So> anyway, um, <laughs> right? Like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of things I think that men don't usually go through. You know, cause men are sometimes like, oh, you feel, get, get back up, man. You can do it. Get back up. You know, women are like, see, you shouldn't be, I told you you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Women aren't entrepreneurs. My family was like, stop playing entrepreneur stop playing that whole business thing. You know, I actually had my uncle call me and um, say, my mom, your mom called and is upset because you're being an entrepreneur. You and I both know only men can be entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, stuff like that. Nice. Only, something, only something a Southern man could say to a Southern woman. Right. But I mean, um, I had a lot of. Um, discord. Even the guy that I was um, living with at one point, he was I was on his couch. He said, can you just be normal and just go get like a waitress job? Can you just please go get normal, be normal. <laughs> now at the time wow. I actually was like going trying try to get a waitress job. Cause I, I, I'm willing to do anything. I think all entrepreneurs are willing to do anything, you know, but it was 2008 and I couldn't get a waitress job. So it was like, I can't even get that. You know, <laughs> you know
1: what I mean? Yes, I remember it
2: was, like, man, I suck. All right. So um, there was a lot of self-doubt. I'm not going to lie. And then there was a couple of pieces, I think, that universe or God put you in, your, in a path. And there was two pieces. One was I was at this little event. I was out with all these badass entrepreneurs at the time still because I had, still had a huge connection to, to massive entrepreneurs. And he said to me, Heather, I want you to take this pen and write after me. He said, hi, Heather. Even I gave myself full permission to fail. And I just started bawling, right? Because I don't fail. Women aren't supposed to fail. We don't have the, we don't have the permission to fail. It's cool when men fail. Like it's not cool when we fail. Mm-hmm. So I started bawling and he goes, Heather, you will never succeed in life unless you give yourself full permission to fail. Cause in that moment, when you give yourself full permission to fail, it's, that's when you win. And it was just so beautiful, right? I mean, I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm like, well, I'm a failure. He's like, honestly, he was beautiful about it because he's like, Heather, you didn't fail. That business is still alive today. Now you had a bad business partner. You didn't get a good lawyer, but that's not a failure. You didn't fail, right? So you got to get the distinction. And I was like, that was my first kind of aha. The second aha I had, the big one. It was a real big one. I was sitting, um, was living in Marco Island, like I sat on my friend's couch. 2008, bad time. Couldn't get a job at Starbucks. I'm not, please? <laughs> like, please. Anything. I'm uh, like, no, we're full. Starbucks are closing. You know it's bad in recession when like Starbucks close, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, McDonald's yeah. and Starbucks close. You're like, you know it's bad. Right. <laughs> so it right. In South Florida, And it was pretty bad. But I'm sitting there and the, the only promise I made myself is every day I go to the beach. I sat to the, I sat at the beach one day and I always see the sunset. I was sitting there on the beach and I was just in that moment, right? With God, like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? I had nothing. I had, My car was paid off. I didn't have enough money for car insurance. I had a cell phone at like whatever, $50 a month. And I paid cash for it. I had no checking account. I had nothing. And I just got this download of like, you know, who you are as an entrepreneur. It's who you are. It doesn't matter if you have a business or not. It's who you are. So it's kind of like athlete, athletic, you know, like an athlete, right? They might not be playing the game at that moment, but who they are as an athlete, they might even change the game. Like Michael Jordan, I think changed from NBA, to golf, or all kinds of baseball. It doesn't matter. He knew who he was, was an athlete. It didn't matter what game he was playing, right? As long as he was playing the game. So same thing with entrepreneurship. Some people try to create a business so that they become an entrepreneur. And it's like, that's not it. Who you are is X. And then you do the things that an X does. You do the thing an athlete does, right? So, not all Olympians, <clears throat> um, you know, not all athletes become Olympian. Doesn't mean that they're not an Olympian. Doesn't mean that they're not a winner. Doesn't mean that they're not an athlete or amazing athlete just because they didn't get the gold medal, you know? So, I think that's the biggest aha. And once I got that aha, It gave me this full permission to create and build and create again, build and create and build and not be attached if I, quote unquote, fail or not fail. So those are the big ones that helped me overcome and got me where I'm at today.
0: You know, that is so important because like you said, men are not viewed like women are. So we are, I think we're naturally, like you said, we're born to succeed and take care of things and get it done. And when we fail, I think it really has an effect on us because I've experienced that as well. Whereas men are just like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, get back up, dust yourself off, keep going. Oh, that business didn't work. Oh, turn it into another one. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So that's very important how we see ourselves. And I love what you said as far as you're saying, you know, being who you are, if you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. And if you're going to fail, that doesn't mean that you weren't meant to be that. It's just, you failed.
2: Right. Right. It's like the, the, I, it's funny. It's like, I didn't even fail. I just had a bad business partner. You know, the business is still viable today, 10 years, 20 years later, whatever, 10 years later, you know, the, I succeeded as a partner, you know, I did my job. Right. But, um, I just, at a bad picker like a you know pick a bad husband
1: mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> doesn't mean yeah. I was a bad
2: wife you know doesn't mean that I didn't do well as a mother it's like I picked the bad I picked the bad picker of a husband <laughs> you know what I
0: mean right right
2: something like it's really that I didn't have the right um lawyers and, and people always ask them to ask me all the time what's the number one you know thing you learned from the bankruptcy And I'll tell you lawyers
1: yes good,
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Have> good lawyers <laughs> period, you know, in the story. Well, that's not a very good, like, yes, it is. You know? So I think that, uh, it's little things like that as a woman, you, it's a little more challenging. You're not. And I look, I, I feel like I'm on a soapbox, but I'm going to go there anyway. Women are not out there going, you can be an entrepreneur. You can do it. They're not, they might be doing that a little bit more now, but they're not in general. Like, right. Oh, that's cute. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or oh, you know, having a career and having a baby is still a conversation, for God's sake. You know what I mean? I literally had my mom call me and freak out and go, "Honey, I have you a job and hope Arkansas for eight dollars an hour as a secretary, you can find yourself a husband." I mean, come on, you know. But I—that's that's what I was bred in. I was bred to breed and have babies and be a mother. I was not bred by psychology of my family to be an entrepreneur. Period. And I was a most women aren't. Right. Period. Men are, get out there, fail. Look at you, fail. It's okay. Get back up. You know, women are. You fail, you run to mom and dad, and like, it's okay. You don't do that ever again. <laughs> like, right. So it's, and I remember having an, an older gentleman, again, he, you know, I'm not against them, but it's just culture. He reached over to me, and I was on the plane. He was a stranger. I was kind of telling him what was going on in my life for some weird reason, stranger in an airplane thing. And he's like, um, it's okay, honey. You're pretty. Just sure go get married. <laughs> you know, like, oh, all right, just a second. Let me just go find myself an app. <laughs> like, right, right. Oh, I'll just get married. You know, so I think that one of the challenges I think people ask ask me all the time about challenges of women entrepreneurs and 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 the overcoming fear. It's God, they're not overcoming fear. They're coming over way more than that. They're overcoming mm. a social dynamic that is literally taught them to be perfect since they were six. Yes. That is so much more than fear. I'll tell you this one story you can get it, because every woman listening to them, they'll get oh, they'll get that story, okay? I'm second grade. I'm a good little girl. I'm very follow the rules, kind of a girl, by the way. And because I want to be liked and I want to be led by the teacher, right? So I remember sitting in my, in my classroom, waving my hand because I had to go to the bathroom, right? Okay? Waving my hand, and waving my hand, and I am not moving out of my seat because Miss George always told me never to do that. So I waved my hand forever while I finally peed in my pants because I couldn't hold anymore. And then after all the drama and people laughing at me and all that, and mom being called and getting the new clothes and all that drama, you know, hours later, Miss George was me and my mom in, in the classroom, and she looked at me and goes, "Honey, now why did you? I grew up in Houston, so I got to do the southern voice. Honey, why did you pee in your pants? Why did you just go?" I said, "Well, Miss George, I'm confused. You told me to never, never, ever, ever get up or leave the classroom without your permission. So which one is it? Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's that so." It's like, you ask permission, you're a good girl. But in entrepreneurship, you don't ask permission. You, wait, hold on, what? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. so off. And men or boys are like, well, he's just being rebel. It's, that's what boys do, blah, blah, blah. You know, they never ask permission to right. cut up in the back of the class. They just do it. And then they right. get in trouble and they don't care. Oh, it's just what boys do. So it's it's so it's so ingrained. It's way beyond in fear. It's like it's something that you are ingrained since you were five or six, if you grew up in America, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much around then.
0: Oh, yes, exactly. And it's- then
2: Southern's worse, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up Southern. I know where you grew up. But, I grew up in <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's more Midwest, but I grew up very, very Southern. No. Um, yeah.
0: And it's like you said, it's you, I think women, girls are conditioned to you, you grow up, you get married, you have kids, and mm-hmm. that's what you do. And I'm looking, now I'm like, this 2019, and I find that there are some women out there who that's their primary goal is, mm-hmm. well, I have to find a man who's going to take care of me.
2: Oh, my. Don't even get me started, girl. a <laughs> wine on that one. and be like, oh, let's, let's bop the wine on that one. Yeah. Exactly. I don't even, I, I knew, I found out what an MRS degree was for my freshman year in, high, in college. I <laughs> didn't know what that was in my life. I really? didn't know
0: what that was either until some guy said it, and I was like, what?
2: What's that? Yeah, like I'm sitting here in Baylor University, it's like three hundred dollars a credit hour, something mm-hmm. ridiculous. And you know, I'm like, "What are you here for? What's your degree?" You know, I'm, like, oh, well, "I'm just here for my MRS." I'm like, "What's that? Is that a a master's degree in like respiratory something?" <laughs> I was like, "Like, no, I'm just here for a husband." I'm like, what? You're gonna spend what? Yes, but they do, right? Cause, but to their detriment, it's what they were told, right? right? And, you know, it, it happens all the time. And so one of the things I work with with my clients is like, I, I do, I, I work with a lot of strategy. I, I work a lot with strategy marketing strategy and details. However, I just had a client who I've had for her last year and a half, dynamic, powerful, you know, very successful six figure, over $500,000 a year business, just herself. And I was really working with her to take her to the next level. And it got to a point that I, I had what I call lovingly fire her because I was like, There's so much stuff going on in your head right now that I realize I'm not battling my strategy. I'm battling all the stuff in your head that you can't even see what's possible, and and I'm wasting your money. I'm just telling you the same thing over and over again every single week or every single month. You know it's not fair to you, and so it did have her aha. And I'm like, okay, here's the deal: I will only work with you if. And I was like, and I had I have a big long conversation with her and all this, and she ultimately said no. And I, I'm not surprised. I think it was, it, I wanted to take her to that next level. And she was really scared. And there was such a plateau where she was at. and such a comfort level. That even though she said she wanted the million dollar business, there you have to change your mindset completely. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got, And there's the sayings around that. It, the, the mindset you have now is, is the mindset that got you where you're at. Mm-hmm. You've got to literally shift everything to be able to get to the next level. So we're not fighting men. We're not. We're fighting an undercurrent of a conversation. We call a string of conversations that's started ingrained to you since you were four and five years old if you're in America, right? Oh, yeah. It is so ingrained. That's what you're battling. So I do a lot of personal work on myself. I do love ask my clients to do a lot of personal work. You're literally having to re- rewire the brain pattern of your whole entity. We're not fighting men, you know. We're not to their to their excuse like they were kind of bred and born to do this, you know. In a lot of ways, get out there and beat them up, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good boy, you did great. Be there tomorrow, you know. So kind of thing. We weren't bred that, and I. Have that person now that go out there and beat things up, and I have been, you know, in a, in a weird way, I've been castrated in many ways because I don't fit the bill. I look like I'm the blonde, big hair, blonde girl from Houston, <laughs> so I look like I'm supposed to be being breeding. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I look like a breeder, <laughs> so in the loving way, but I, I'm not doing that. And so I'm castrated all the time. I'm, I'm constantly, why are you, doing, you know, like you're you're not supposed to be doing that kind of thing. And so it goes both ways. And so I just encourage anyone who's listening, it's about what do you want? What do you care about? What's important to you? Right? What, what what's going to make you happy? What's going to bring you to that finish line? For me, my big why in life is at the end of my deathbeds, wherever that is in some southern you know, Florida nursing home that I, (laughs) with my friend next to me with no teeth, whatever. It's like, I really want to have, like, I really want to say I help 10,000 women on this planet create businesses for themselves and money for themselves that they could really choose the life that they want. Because I'm very clear between you and me and whoever's listening that when a woman has their own income from whatever, I do not care if it's an Etsy business, right? Mm-hmm. When she has her own income, she will make different choices. Meaning, I don't know if she'll just marry that guy. You yeah. know? When she has her own income, there's just different choices she makes. This is a different kind of confidence in herself. And that's what I want to still. And so for my channel, my thing that I can give to the world is I can help people build businesses online. I've been doing it for 20 years. Wow, I,
0: I just love everything you just said. It it makes so much sense, and we're we're fighting ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Fighting I mean, ourselves.
2: Yeah, yeah. You can get mad at you know the, our parents. We can get mad at our dads. Get mad at society. But really, we can we can march on Washington D.C. and say, you know, no more. I, I I get look, I get it. Believe me, I just prefer to say, let's just go build something.
0: Mm-hmm right now when you're working with your clients and like you said you had the one client who was just kind of complacent where she was do you find that a lot and what do you do to help women get out of that spot to go to the next level
2: yeah so when people are working with me they quickly realize um I I don't put up with people's bullshit right Mm -hmm. I don't so I'm pretty direct and I don't care if it's a man or woman I mean right my client's they all know I will be direct in what I call a loving way. And then I hug them, right? Mm -hmm. So however, I get that movement only comes from a, a feeling and an understanding of an uncomfortableness that they have to move, right? So my job is to get them to that point as fast as possible. Like, okay, you got that? Great, what's next? Okay, getting them to that point, they're always at that next level of uncomfortableness. Like I'm uncomfortable here. Perfect. This is scary to me. Great. That's the that's where you should always be. Entrepreneurship is not a land of comfy. Ever. Never comfy. If you're comfy, then you're not an entrepreneur. You're not growing. Period. Mm -hmm. If you want comfy, go work for the government. That's Mm -hmm. comfy. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't against that either. I, I do not encourage people to be entrepreneurs at all. <laughs> I don't I'm like right. My point is is that I do move people. Every single one of my clients, even that other client that I fired, she still I mean, she was like extremely knowledgeable. Like I have moved mountains since I've worked for you. Right. She has she the girl has moved mountains, but she just got to she hit that wall, right? And she's like, I can't get past this, right? And like I, I honor her choice not to go past it. That's her choice too. But it's also my, my responsibility as a coach to realize when what I'm saying is no longer even being penetrate. it's not penetrating. Right. So I think a lot of people just can quote unquote take their money. I'm like, I'm not interested in that. I do want clients to move And Every single person that's come into my sphere in life, their business just moves mountains. It's just what I do. Right. Some people are pastors and they come into the world and their spirituality just blows up joel Osteen i love him you know mm-hmm. but i think that that's just my gift mm-hmm. to the world so my the answer to your question is i i enjoy the process of of moving people from fear into the unknown because even if you go from fear to unknown there's still movement mm-hmm. that's the key that the key is staying in the unknown the problem is with that is that women on a core level we want to know We want to know where we're at, what we're doing, what's going on all the time. It's that core piece is the woman, like the protector what's happening. Right. So you have to overcome that piece to live inside of completely not knowing and moving forward. And
0: with that, because you do coaching, you do um, strategizing, you help build a business. So.
2: It's rare I do coaching now. So I I really have moved away from one-on-one unless someone was to just pay me a lot of money, (laughs) but (laughs) I, I really don't. I really focus on business strategy, you know, and, um, I work people with their podcast specifically. I teach a formula called influencer growth formula and I have people go through a 90 day process of like, how do you actually go from expert to influence (laughs) that you're attracting the right clients to you. Right. So I actually work them through that whole messaging, marketing platform and their media how do you grow that, in a, in a group more in, group environment with masterminds? So, um, I've actually in 2019 I kind of um, I, I moved all my clients off. Like I said, fired the last one, and I mm-hmm. moved them all off. And the, I did that very strategically, right? Because I feel like we're at a place now. I really want to move into people that are really up to something at a high level. You know, really, really taking things to the next level as an influencer. And I just think that's the best thing. And, you know, I do take some private clients, but it's, like I said, I've kind of moved into a different direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And with that, and let's just say you come across a woman who says, you know what? I feel I'm an entrepreneur. I feel I have something that I want to provide as a service, but I'm here with, on ground zero, nothing. Can you work with that person and take them, or are you?
2: Yeah. So my in my the nine day program, yes, goes through that. So I just finished a an eight week course, and that course is now into the side of the program. And I took people from no message, no market um, to now they have a message. They know what they're marketing. They know what their media. They know what they're selling. They know what their funnel is going to be. And they know their pricing and things like that. So that's um, that's fine. You know, in fact, sometimes I prefer people that are kind of more open, right? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm open. What do I what do I do here mm-hmm. versus people I'm having to change their entire product line and pricing and message to market. And they've been doing that for 20 years, you know? So that's a very different, uh uh, kind of clientele. But I think that most of my clients are people that are like, I've tried it, I'm trying to do it, but I like really haven't found my thing. And I work with them on visibility. However, there's a lot of PR companies that have visibility out there, but if they don't have the right market to message, they can get all the visibility in the world and then it's gonna flop. You know, you mm-hmm. don't want that. You don't want to be out there with the wrong message or or a dopey message or a crappy message or not not a good brand message that's really going to serve you. Cause then you're kind of stuck. You're in that I'm visible everywhere, everyone knows me as this thing, but I'm not really that thing, you know. What? So I really work with them backwards. There's three elements: is your marketing, your your marketing, your message, and the media. Those are the three pieces of any business you've got to get lined up 100 percent in alignment, and then you can start to really move mountains. And those are the three pieces, and I do that in the influencer growth formula.
0: Great, yeah, because you have to be concise and laser focused to know where you're going. You can't be a over here, and then C over there, and then Z somewhere else. It it all has to tie in.
2: Correct. Yeah, it's got to all tie into what's your message, what's your market, and what's the media you're going to actually leverage, key leverage um, to get to that message market. I love podcasts. That's my thing, right? Mm-hmm. Podcasts. I my shows are rated. My, my shows now nationally radio. I've been on 450 podcasts as a guest. Like I know podcasts, right? So I really focus on that particular media. -hmm. Um, I like that media, and I'm moving it more into YouTube. I'm moving it more into you know other places: iHeart, Spotify, Pandora. Um, There's really cool things happening in podcasts. It's not going away, so I like to use that particular media um, more than any other media right now, and to help people kind of grow.
0: Okay, now, and I know everyone is different, but what would you say on average is your your span with a client? So do you so you have in your mind when you work with someone that, you know what, in six months, I can get this person to this point?
2: Oh, it's a good question. Um, because I'm multifaceted, I can go with from the beginning all the way to my, one of my last clients. She, um, to, in a loving way, she fired me because she's like, I just sold my business for $7 million. Yay!" million. You know, <laughs> so, And I walked her through that process of like pieces of the selling process because I know the publishing side. So, um, I mean, that's the only time I've ever been fired. <laughs> way, in a loving way. It was more like, let's go to Cancun. But um, that was really not a fire. She's like, they, they want to take it over, blah, blah, blah. And they're going through their own way, their consultants, which is fine, which is fine. But um, up until, honestly, I run the gamut, right? Um, most of my clients stay with me long, one or two years because I can move through all the different phases with them and move them to the next level, move them to the next level.
0: Hmm. Okay. Now, you say you started out in real estate. Yeah. And you've you've had different businesses that you have grown from nothing to million-dollar businesses. Yes. How did you educate yourself and and get to that point where you're like, okay, this is what I am good at, and this is what I know, and this is how I'm going to spin it? How did you get to that point?
2: So that's kind of like asking Michael Jordan, like, how did he, you know, how did he start basketball. I mean, it's just what he had in front of him and started to do it in practice, you know. I have been in the information marketing, internet marketing business since 1999. My very first course in, in internet marketing was at College 99 with my first business plan. Um, I started in the first business online 05 on accident. you know, like I, I had my master's degree in online marketing in 2010. it's like just my it's what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my natural thing. I think when I um, and then my last company in 2015 where I took a business and nothing and zero to one point5 in sales e-commerce business weight loss company here in Austin, um, I think that was the la that's the last one that I was like, okay, I can build businesses, but I prefer to empower more people to build businesses and really impact the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So, cause that's what I'm good at. And I'm really good at building, I'm still building my own business. I'm partnering with another business on the side, but I, that's my strength is I really want to empower others, like how they can do it too. If I can do it, they can do it. You know, I'm not really necessarily special. Um, I have self-educated myself. I've been to many, many, many copywriting seminars and events and my own coaching programs and things like that, that I've taken in masterminds, a ton of masterminds, a lot of masterminds. Mm-hmm. Um So I think that I've self-educated myself as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You sound like me. I, I've done the same thing. I'm kind of like you where business is in my blood and like, yeah. you know, I, I love the podcasting. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. But like me, it was something that like 20 years ago I was going and I was thinking and I was telling a friend I said I want to serve others. I want to inspire others so I want to be a speaker. But then like you said that mindset I got to thinking saying, well, you know what? No one knows me. Who would listen to me? I'm not famous. So you get that talk in your head. And it stops you and like you said in, in us being women, it kind of stagnates you whereas a man mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I feel that way now, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to Take the the yeah. leap anyway. <laughs> yeah,
2: they do right. They're like,
0: yeah, school. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and like you said, and they and they do it, and they they may fail, and they say, oh, okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, I'm gonna continue on and do something else. And then before you know it, they have an empire. So for for the women out there who are stuck in their own mess, <laughs> and they yeah. come to you, I mean. What what are you doing to say, hey, you know what? You need to do this. Or do you or do you have that moment where after you work with someone for so long and you see that they're just stuck? You say, you know what? I I just I can't work with you at all right now. Oh, no,
2: yeah, I don't have that. I, I definitely. you know, No, no, I don't definitely tell them, like, if that's what they want to do. But, mm-hmm. You know, I want to take them there. Right the one thing I do do is be realistic
1: mm-hmm. on things
2: like, okay, got it. Let's do the numbers, you know, or, okay, well, this is what this looks like in reality, you know, or things like that. But I mean, my coaching is very strategic on the business side. Well, what's your market's message and what, what are you going to, what are you going to speak about? I'm looking at your site right now and you're speaking and, and what you talk about is very in alignment with who you are. So it's like, makes sense. Right. So it's like, Oh, of course, she's going to be talking about that because it's in alignment with who she is and her energy and her personality. Um, there's only one time. I think this one time this guy called me out of blue. He's like, I don't want to be a YouTube star. I want. I want to do nothing but just make money on YouTube. And I was like, Okay, do you have a? Do you sell anything? No. Do you? Do you? Do you have a video out? No. I'm like, Okay, that was like, Okay, come on. <laughs> I know was gonna work. You know? So who knows? He's probably the biggest YouTube star. Maybe he's PewDiePie or whatever he is now. <laughs> I doubt it. Um. So here's what I would say. So let me just tell you this. Um. Number one, never keep anyone in your. In your life, that's not part of your fan club. So that's my my sexy bossism number one. Never keep anyone in your life that's not part of your fan club, right? So whoever you told that day about speaking, they it sounds like that person was probably um, very supportive. Most times, people are not not because they don't love you, but but they see you since probably you were in high school and saw you you know drinking or something. <laughs> they don't see you in the light of who you really are. Sometimes you know, so mm-hmm. you can be careful who you share your dreams with. That's why mm-hmm. a coach is really a key piece because you can share your dreams with a coach and they really do like, okay, got it. Let's do it. Number one. Number two, um, I always tell people, um, a part of my, another sexy bossism is, um, well, I'm going blank on my, my sexy bossism It's not, it's the confusion. So my confusion, uh, does it feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? So mm-hmm. I ask myself that question before I do anything and I'll repeat it. Does this feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? So that's a good one, right? So it's like, okay, what am I doing right now? Is it feeding confusion in my life? Is it causing chaos, or is it adding um, clarity to my life? And that's a really key piece too. So if you're trying to be an entrepreneur just because someone thought it was cool, versus that you know that's who you are, right? I mean, if you took Michael Jordan off the, you know, off the, I guess off the court, you know, back then, that would be killing him. It would be literally killing him, you know what I mean? Or taking the mic away from Oprah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would it's like who she is who she is at this point, right? right? It's not about what she does. It's literally who she is. Madonna. Told Madonna she can't sing anymore. That's would be odd, you know? It's who she is. She's an entertainer and um, this is who she is now. So I think that's part of it is when you realize who you are, then whatever it is is gonna come automatically out.
0: Oh, I, I so agree. And, and that's where women need to know, right, who they are. Just, you need to be true to yourself. And that was one of the things long time ago, kind of my self-affirmation was, I know who I am. I know who I am. This is, I'm going to be true to myself and not try to fit into anyone's paradigm of what they think I should be.
2: That's, so so let me just speak to that. So first of all, that's awesome. And there's a lot of women going, that sounds great. That sounds great, but <laughs> that's hard. Yes, it is. It's very hard because there's people in your life. It's really, it's easy to tell strangers to go off, right? But it's a lot harder when it's like your spouse or your best friend, right? Or your sister or your brother or even your mom, right? It's a lot harder when they're like, what are you doing speaking? Why do you think someone's like, this is you? I mean, because it really is, that's what happens. It's the people closest to you that sometimes are the hardest on you. And then you add your own stuff in your head, right? I call it the monkey mind. You add the own monkey mind in your head. Then it's even louder. It's on top, you know, it's on level a hundred, right? And then you're dealing with that. That's really hard to overcome. It oh, really is yeah. challenging.
0: Oh, it is definitely. I mean, and it took me a long time to get to that point. Yeah. So I know exactly what you're saying. It, it is not easy. and It's, it's not, not easy. something It's not something that you just wake up one day. And you go,
2: Oh, this is who I am. This and, is who I am. Yeah. Oh, this is one day who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. It's very, you know, I'll, let me show you this quick story. Cause I think you'll appreciate this, Trina. Um, so last year I uh, did a comedy class. So I took a comedy class. You were doing that before? No. Okay. I highly suggest it <laughs> by your, yeah. by your tone, and your voice, like, no, i like, you <laughs> um, so I did about a year and a half of improv and I loved it. And I didn't know that improv was the baseline of comedy and actually improv really helped me with like podcasting. I had no idea. It's just one of those things I did on random. And so after about a year and a half of improv and they literally were like, Heather, we have nothing else for you. We have to kick you out because we have no more courses for you. We've taken all the courses. Um, they said, you need to go to comedy. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Because that's like, to me, the worst, scariest thing ever. Because I can get in front of a stage anytime. Like yourself, I do public speaking. That's fine because I'm educating. I'm serving. I'm giving. And if they laugh, that's like a bonus point, right? Like, right. Like, mm. But it's different when you're on a stage and it's just you and a mic, no PowerPoint, right? <laughs> and it's a big old spotlight. And there are people in the audience who are like, okay, make me laugh. Mm-hmm. There's such an expectation. And it's so high that it just freaked me out. So I go through this course, 12-week course. I was on the wait list for like two years. And they call me like a Friday at five o'clock. I'm like, hey, we have an opening, like starts Monday. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, do you want it or not? I'm like, okay. So I take it. It was not a great experience. It was very challenging for me because everyone in there I felt was funny. You know, they were just like naturally funny. I am not funny. Like I even said my first day, I raised my hand and I go, I'm here. I'm not funny. Your job is to make me funny. And everyone laughed. I'm like, "Is not funny? I'm not funny." You know, it was this whole like, "No, seriously." So, I after after doing the course for twelve weeks and then the graduate, the, how you graduate, right? You have to get on stage and do a five to five minute little thing with a live audience, right? With your friends there and all these people <laughs> who are going to judge you. So, <laughs> and I hired a comedy coach, not my teacher, like the day before. Hmm? I gave him money. I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? And he goes, here's, here's the beauty of comedy, Heather. You double down on who you are. Mm. That's it. You double down. If you think about our the massive comedy, right? The comedians we have, Ellen, even Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. They double down on who they already are. But to be able to do that, you've got to really know who you are. Chris Farley, right? Eddie Eddie, I forgot to Eddie, like uh, Murphy. Murphy, thank you. I mean, you know, he took he, he doubled down on who he already is. That's what makes it funny. So I said to him, "Well, I don't know what I am." He goes, "What are you talking about? You're blonde hair big big badass. Like, go <laughs> be that." And I'm like, "But that's not funny." He's like, "You're going to make it funny because you're going to double down. Everyone already knows that's who you are. But you're trying to cover it up. Stop it. Like double down. Like literally on it. And it was the first time someone literally gave me permission in a weird way to like be that, you know what I mean? Wow. So it was really interesting. It was really interesting. So my very opening line was I walked on stage and I said, you know, there's only, I came from a debutante home. My mother's a debutante. I said, how many was Heather Havenwood? (laughs) I come from a very debutante home. There's only three things my mom wanted for me to marry rich, to have a lot of babies, And always look amazing when I leave the house. Well, mom, one, eight, one, eight, three ain't bad. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like that was my opening line. You know what I mean? It was like, because like, I don't have kids, I don't have a husband and I always look amazing when I leave the house, (laughs) right? Like, like a good Southern woman does. But my point is, is it was, it was kind of this weird shift in my whole speaking career. And even on my podcast, right after that, I rebranded because I got, I was trying to, I was trying to be what everyone thought I was even online. And I was like, no, I'm not a sweet looking, I'm not, I'm not a sweet girl. If you look at my old Brandy, it looks like I'm a sweet girl next door. (laughs) And I'm not like, I'm not, let's just be honest. I'm not. So I'm strong, I'm powerful and I I'm direct. And that's what I, who I am, period. I don't have to try to be that way. That's just who I am. I have to try to be nice, like the girl next door. That's hard for me to do. So when you double down on who you are, like in public speaking, in, in your brand, i look at your brand right now. It's all over my screen. Like when you double down on who you are, whatever that may be, that's the power because here's the key. Ready? Write, write this down. When you find your voice, your tribe will follow.
1: Ah. Uh-huh.
2: Right? But how do you find your voice? That's always a question. Right? How do you find your voice? Uh-huh. You double down on the piece of you that you think sucks. Whatever that is, you think it might suck and everyone else thinks it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Double down on that piece and that's that's the brilliance of it.
0: I love the double down. So I'm I'm gonna use that just let you know.
2: Feel free. Double H's, I'm a double D, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever works. But I mean, yes, and it really is doubling down on like who you are. I mean, Oprah does it every day. She she knows who she is, right? She doubles down on that. And there was some um, if you look at her old stuff, because I have the whole twenty-five anniversary, you know, you can see the shift for her. Mm -hmm. See when she was trying to fit in, trying to fit in, trying to fit in, be a reporter and trying to be a talk show. host. There was a moment. There Mm -hmm. was a a year when it just went. It shifted hard and it shifted into like, this is me. I'm spiritual and I'm a black woman and I'm spiritual, period. Mm -hmm. You don't like that. You don't have to watch.
0: You know, and it's funny you say that because she even says that. She said early in her career, she was trying to be Barbara Walters.
2: Yeah. Look, if you look at the, like I said, I have the, you know, 25 years and get it and watch it. You look at how she's talked, what she wore, her hair, her communication style. It was very in a box. Mm-hmm. And I, if you look at my old branding, you want to go back that way, feel free. You can see I did the same thing. It's only recently, like a boss, it's very in your face, sexy boss, all that. I'm not even trying. Some people are like, how'd you do that? I'm like, it's actually just who I am. Just come in my space for like an hour and you will see. This is natural for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's me trying to be something else was hard. And I always take the example of Marie Folio. Some people might be listening. Mm-hmm. You might love her and that's great. I like, love her too. You love her. Okay. See, I don't. Here's why. She's too perfect. The girl okay. is too perfect. I, she cannot be my girlfriend. <laughs> Right? It's like Sex and the City. Like, you know, I'm more like a Samantha Carey. Yes! (laughs) Right? Like, that. She's like a Charlotte. I'm like, girl, will you please mess your hair up? You know what I mean? Like, I can't. Like, she can never be my girlfriend. I'm like, girl, will you please mess up your hair and makeup for one day? Please, for God's sake. You know, I love her content and I love who she is. I get it. But she's just too perfect for me.
0: Oh my goodness. See, you put the sex in the city analogy out there, and that was my show. And I'm I'm like I you. See, we that. could be you and I could be friends because oh, yeah. Charlotte are you? was are you, yeah, I'm Charlotte. no, I'm not a Charlotte. I, I'm a I'm probably a Carrie. Yeah. A yeah, Carrie, yeah. a Carrie and a little bit of Samantha too. Yeah, but yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Samantha,
0: Samantha was my girl. Charlotte, yeah, she was just a little bit too too prissy on edge. And and Miranda, she was a whole nother thing too. But yeah, yeah. Carrie, I think Carrie and Samantha made the show, but you're right. When you get someone like that, it is just too misperfect and, oh, my God, you did that. That's not right. And you're know, like, would you just shut up?
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, someone asked me, they go, you know, I said, so, because I'm rewatching The Six in the City season six right now, seriously, for like a really weird reason. And I'm like, oh, my God, Charlotte is Marie Folio. I can never <laughs> be friends with her. Charlotte can never. I could never be friends with her. I would ban her from breakfast. I'm like, girl, please leave. Seriously. Oh. Right. So and out of loving way, like <laughs> like will you mess up your hair? Will you please look bad? <laughs> yeah. And, and Charlotte married a Jewish guy. And we followed married Jewish guy. So maybe yeah. there's something there, right? So maybe maybe she resonates with Charlotte. That's adorable. But you know, Charlotte had a perfect life. Right. And right. that's fine. Good for Charlotte and mm-hmm. Marie. Right. But at the same time, like I didn't. And I want to have, you know, ride or die girls. Mm-hmm. i can't I guess the word be is, but I ride or die girls in my life. You know, and even clients and they, they they resonate with stuff. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, like this is what's going on. This was real. You know, I just right. That's what resonates for me. And so when that coat that comedy coach, and he charged a hundred dollars the hour. Oh wow! I know, right? He's like, I charge a hundred dollars now. I'm like, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sold. So you know, when he said double down, on who you are? You're a ballsy, big boob. Bossy, bassy woman, I did, and even that day when I showed up, like my outfit, because I had in my head I should, you know, wear dark pants and like I don't, I don't know, I had this really weird mm-hmm. look. What a comedian was to look like. I wore stiletto heels, my hair's all blonde and way out there, big old curls, <laughs> a pink dress, like hot pink, and a um, and then and then a pink jacket. Like I was all pink. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk out on my, like, hello, you know, just like, this is me, debutante blonde girl. What's up? Mm-hmm. And they loved it. People were like, oh my God, that was amazing. But I felt like I was being me. I didn't feel like I was trying to fit into something. And I was just saying stories and everyone's cracking up. It's really true. When you double down on who you are, it's not about like people laughing at you. They're laughing because they can understand. Right. Comedy is all about oh my God, I get that. And they're laughing because we all get it, you know? So that's what comedy is about. But um, public speaking too, so public speaking is about connecting with the heart and about information, but it's also about resonation with the people and connecting with their heart.
0: Exactly. And I was, just, I was just about to say that because I think like with comedians, like you were saying, a lot of times they're vulnerable and a lot of times they're just telling stories about what has happened in their lives. Yeah, people can relate to that. And I think being a speaker and that's the type of speaker I am is like, OK, this is me. Here's my story. You like it. You don't like it, whatever, you know, you want to judge if you had a nice, you know, pristine life. Fine. I didn't have that life.
1: Right. Right.
2: Like I didn't have that. I can't relate. Right.
0: So <laughs> you're right. Crazy. You know, and I think people appreciate that because if you look at some of the greatest comedians, they were the ones that you could actually relate with, you know, relate to them.
2: Yeah, let I me mean, give you, um, and again, I'm not trying to bash on Marie. So I'm sure she won't <laughs> be listening. So it doesn't matter. But I'm, this is a case study. So I want to take out the emotions if you like love Marie.
0: Well, I mean, I'm that,
2: you know. Yeah, yeah. I just want to like, her. it's a case study. But if you look at Marie, she's been online for a while, right? I think seven years, eight years mm-hmm. uh, as a YouTuber specifically. Okay. And if you look at her numbers, it's a case study, people. So just don't be bashing me. Well, you can bash me. I don't care. So, in her numbers, I think her last I saw on subscribers is 200,000. Now look, there's way more than me. So just, you know, I'm cool in that. But, um, so 200,000 subscribers. All right. Very good. By the way, not top 10 though, by the way, in, in YouTube world. Right. Mm-hmm. And look at Gary V mm-hmm. like 1.3 or something. Last I checked somewhere there, at least a mill.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now why he's kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. he doubles down on who he is. Yes, I think if Marie doubled down on some other piece of her, like I don't know, there's probably some other piece we don't know about. I think she would get a lot more. But I think that we as women are dying for the real Marie to show up or a real woman to show up and go entrepreneurship isn't perfect and your hair doesn't look perfect every day. And you know, you don't always look like you're in a studio talking to Tony Robbins. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like entrepreneurship, if you go right now to any coffee shop in America right now, you'll see what entrepreneurship looks like. Right. They're in yoga pants mm-hmm. and flip flops, depending on the weather and their hair's in a bun.
0: hmm <laughs> Yes.
2: And they got a backpack. Exactly. You know, that's what entrepreneurship looks like. Yes. And, and that's what, why people like like hate whatever you want to call it, like hate Gary Vee, because he is real about that. Oh, yes. And oh, he yes. states it like, this sucks. You know, and he, he says it was there. And that's kind of more how I am. And, I, you know, as I'm building my tribe and as I'm finding my voice and I'm out there more and more about being like a boss and being a badass and being strong and, and, and being a sexy boss, you know, that's my voice. That's my tribe. And the people that I'm attracting are people that are like, I need someone to tell me the real. I don't mm-hmm. need someone to give me a bunch of hype. I need someone to say, this is the strategy that's best right now. You know, this is what's going on in the marketplace today. And I said, that, that same client that I had to fire, I said, look, if I was your mentor in Wall Street and you said to me, you weren't getting your goals. And I told you, well, we went from a bull market to a bear market and you start fighting with me. And I'm like, it's not personal. We just went, we just changed the, the markets changed. It's not personal. I'm just telling the market changed. Do you want to invest in your money or not? You know, right? She was upset because the market has changed, and how mm-hmm. she's been doing things for 20 years isn't working anymore. And I was the, unfortunately, the one to tell her uh, the market's changed.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: not how it works anymore. Right? Gotta mm-hmm. It's got to so change. It's not personal, you know. But that—that that, was that person in her life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that when we find your, when you find your voice. That's right, everybody, when you find your voice, your tribe follows. The question is, do you have the courage, right? It's so not only find your voice, but let your voice out,
1: mm.
2: right? That's, that's where the rubber hits the road. Wow.
0: I love it. I love that.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: That um, was first,
2: by the way. I like that one. <laughs> Sure, you send me that cut? That was good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. That's, that's it's true real. though. I mean, that really is like once I found my voice, it was like, okay, now, now, okay, well, you got going to have the courage to speak it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that's really the question you got to let. I get, I get slammed every day on social media. But you know who I get slammed by? Women. Mm-hmm. They're the worst. You mm-hmm. girls suck. You <laughs> girls suck. Guys are like, oh, I love it. Oh, that's great. Oh, maybe you need to have a better, you know, maybe at the end you should say this. That's what guys do. Right. Or like, Look at your hair. Mm-hmm. Look at your outfit. Right. I like your makeup. Who do you think you are?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, she's <laughs> better than everyone else.
2: <laughs> you think you're better than me? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's why I don't hate, like, I don't hate Marie. I think she's awesome. She's, she's amazing and she's done way more than me and better than me and I think it's awesome and, and great. But I do think that's, Her biggest challenge, and I would tell her right here, I say, I think that one of the reasons you're not as big as you should be, Marie, is because you're holding back who you really are. Mm. And there's some piece of you that you really haven't allowed to be. Wow. Right. Whatever that is, you know? And there was just like the moment with Oprah. And she just finally said, I'm done. Whatever that was for her. I don't even know what that moment was for her, like what happened personally. Mm-hmm. But she just was like, I'm going this new direction. And everyone told her in broadcasting not to do it.
1: hmm
0: Yep.
2: Right? Hey, don't go spiritual. <laughs> don't do it. You know, here she is, right? So <clears throat> when you find your voice, your tribe will follow. Then the question is, will you have the courage to actually speak it?
0: Wow. Well, that's gonna take us to my questions for you. Yes. So we have 10 questions, and here we go with question number one. Who or what motivates you?
2: I say who? Um mentor of mine is a Madonna. I love that girl. Mm. She just rocks it. Okay.
0: Um, what demotivates you?
2: Mm. The boys' club. Mm. That drive me crazy. <laughs> mm.
1: That's good.
0: Um, when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good?
2: Uh, six months ago, when I had a person who's ahead of a very big um, internet party event thing or mm-hmm. something like that walk up to me and say, um, "You help women entrepreneurs." <clears throat> That's no value. That's not valuable to us. There's no value in that, Heather. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a few months later, he acknowledged that what he said um, was hurtful, and then he said he meant to hurt me. <laughs> so what? it was, yeah, it was very eye-opening, eye-opening experience for sure. But um, I didn't get mad. I just kind of like was like, just okay, you know, thanks for, thanks for being truthful. Wow. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a part of me that want to kick him in the balls, right? But yeah. I just was like, you know, wow, it's okay. That's just where he's at. Yeah, 2018.
1: Mm.
2: You think, right? You think that does not happen? It does. Yeah, it does. Okay.
0: What is your fear?
2: That I'll be in my, on my uh, nursing home in South Florida with my no teeth, and I never really hit my goal of helping 10,000 women be financially free.
0: Okay. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't?
2: Oof. Yeah. Engaged the last man I was engaged to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake, have I not done that one? That's <laughs> that's all in the podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, that one for sure. <laughs> okay.
0: So here's the opposite. A
2: relationship <laughs> that didn't go well.
0: Is there a time that you wish you had not done something?
2: Oh, that was a had I thought that was a had or, not done something. What well, was that one?
0: The other one was a had done something.
2: Oh, okay. Well, let me just flip that. I wish okay. I had not <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Wish I had done something. Okay, got it. Um Yeah, so I wish I had I've been around a long time, been around, you know, for like 10, 15 years, and I didn't really focus on my brand for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was behind the curtain. I am supporting other people. And um I wish I had started what I'm doing now, like 10 years ago, I was in the business. I just was behind the scenes and mm-hmm. put myself out there. Okay. Yeah.
0: What is your definition of success? Freedom. Yes. How do you recharge?
2: Yoga, silence, mm. meditation, working out.
0: What are you awesome at?
2: Personal branding, messaging very good at it. Really good at it.
0: What legacy do you want to leave?
2: That I've impacted 10,000 women around the world, not just the United States, that they have um, made new choices in their life based on the fact that they had their own money. Wow.
0: Okay. So give the listeners one motivational takeaway.
2: Mm. I'm going to circle back to one just because it's so good. Mm -hmm. right which is does it feed your confusion or strengthen your clarity
1: Mm.
2: it's so good there's just there's a lot of juice there
1: Mm
2: Does it feed your confusion strengthen your clarity and start asking yourself that question before you do anything like anything like before you drink that glass of wine at night you know Mm -hmm. before you eat that chocolate cake oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) before you run that red light does it feed your confusion strengthen your clarity you start small and then Mm -hmm. you move into big things at the company the contract that boyfriend Whatever so you think about it, your last relationship that didn't maybe did go, go well. If you if you could go back in time, you'd be like does this is relationship feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity. We all know the answer, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> but we like we love. It's like does it feed your confusion or strengthen your clarity? It's like we caused a lot of confusion in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, then is that the best thing? You know. So it's simple, but it's profound.
0: Right. It is. Well, Heather, you know what? I could talk to you yeah. all night because you do seem real. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm I'm yeah, a you're real very
2: real. No, like, <laughs> no, you would hate my conversation.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm a real type of girl. I'm like you. I'm I'm very direct. I like real. I like real people and I don't try to put on any fronts for anyone. So I like when I have another person who's like that, who's like, hey, this is me take it or leave it. And not that you're doing it in a nasty way, but like you said, you know who you are and you're real and you're not trying to placate. And I like that. Um, So if someone wants to get in contact with you, go ahead and tell people all your platforms where they can um, connect with you.
2: Then go to Instagram. That's a big one. I'm big on Instagram and also on LinkedIn, both under Heather Havenwood, the only Heather Havenwood. Um, Also go to heatherhavenwood.com. But if they really want to contact me, they can contact me through Messenger. And then go to askheatherann.com. That's askheatherann.com.
0: Okay, Heather. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, you. And I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule.
2: Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
0: If you're looking for a speaker for your live event or conference, go to my website and read my bio and contact me at bit.ly forward slash booktrina. I hope you have a great week. Until then, remember, if you change your mindset, you'll change your life. Keep striving. Success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.